It's the show that makes us talk. So the other day I was walking near this gigantic beehive and guess what they were jamming to? What? Some Beyonce. <laughs> oh, wow. What about our life? With Chris and Will. Are you excited? Excited? It's another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yay! This week we're talking about iconic characters of our generation and video games. Oh, yes. Don't drool too much, Willie. <laughs> We've got some expensive equipment here we don't want to ruin. <laughs> well, we're going to get into video games with our special guest later on. But first, iconic characters of our generation. What comes to mind? First one, of course, Mickey Mouse. Yes, I was going to think you were going to say Steamboat Willie. Actually, yeah, you're right. You know what? Because that was Mickey Mouse's first cartoon. Yes. And, well, because significance to me, Steamboat Willie, because it spells my name with an I-E, and he's driving a steamboat, so, you know, he he's in control of it. Yeah, I would say Roger Rabbit. Yeah. For mm -hmm. me. Now, also back in the day, remember, they came in this green box it's not really iconic characters but to me it was remember the animal collector cards yeah oh my gosh i think i still have them somewhere but i remember they had this commercial this of uh, this bird or something that was delivering you these iconic animal cards mm -hmm. i don't remember if that's the exact name but yeah animal cards uh teddy ruxman Wow, yes. And going along with that, the cartoon Super Ted. I don't know if you remember that or yeah. not. Yeah. What about um, Yogi Bear? Yeah. Animaniacs? Tiny Toon Adventures. Yep. Pee Wee? Mm-hmm. Smurfs? The Snorks? Donald Duck, Daisy Duck, of course. Betty Boop. Betty Boop. Scooby-Doo? Yeah. And how about Jeffrey the Giraffe from Toys R Us? Big time. Big of time. Of course. Yes. Ninja Turtles? Mm-hmm. Um, how about the McDonald's characters? Remember the fry kid or fry guy, whatever, yeah, hamburger, hamburger, and yep. birdie and grimace. They used to, the playland back in the day used to be those characters. That's right. Yep. I remember that because you would go out in there and you get stung by wasp all the time. <laughs> you Do you also remember when they had the Happy Meal toys and they had the different chicken nuggets yep. dressed up as different they things? They did. They did. Um, Showbiz Pizza with the Rockafire Band. Wow, now that's really going back. Yeah, that is. That going was back. before Chuck E. Cheese, by the way. Of course, Tony the Tiger from the cereals, Lucky yeah. Charm cereals. Yeah. What about Tricks the Rabbit? Uh huh. Of course. Cereal, cereal. Care Bears. Care Bears. The original Care Bears. Kermit the Frog, Big Bird. Yeah, Grover for me. Yes. And Fozzie Bear from the Muppet Babies. Of course, of course. So a lot of iconic characters there. And um, also, I have two other ones, too. So the Karate Kid, even though it was a movie. Yeah. Um, And Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sailor Moon. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. That's right. Yep. That would be the biggest annoyance when you really wanted to piss somebody off. You just <laughs> tell them to wax on, wax off. I had a bandana, and it was a white bandana with the red... Uh, dots on it. Yeah. You, well, you can't really say wax on and wax off anymore because somebody might take you literally and think you're referring to plastic surgery. Um, you know. <laughs> or you're going in for a bikini wax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what about video games? Uh, don't classic, get me started. My gosh. Classic video games. Okay. So the main one, of course, Super Mario Brothers, you have Mario and Luigi, which is Mario, Mario and Luigi Mario. Yep. Princess Toadstool, but in Japan, she was originally called Peach. So would that make her Peach Toadstool? Probably. What I about, guess. What about games? Pac-Man? Yep, Pac-Man. Zelda? Yep, The Legend of Zelda. Sonic the Hedgehog. Qbert? Yep. I remember Qbert. Yep. Uh, also Mega Man. Tetris? Yes. Uh, the Disney games, the Aladdin game? Yeah, which was the very first one that used Disney animated artists to make a video game. Yep. Duck Hunt. Wow. Okay. Yes. With the, with, the, with the light zapper. Yep. Excite yep. Bike. Yep. Uh, Gauntlet. We've played that many a time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2. Wow. Yes. Centipede. Wow. That's a classic. Yep. Castlevania. Yes. Castlevania. Uh, the Metroid series. My favorite was Super Metroid for Super Nintendo. Uh, Double Dragon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Donkey Kong. Yep. Mm-hmm. Frogger. Yeah. What about Breaks? You remember that game? No, I don't. Yeah, it was it was the little block thing where you had to you had to click the blocks from the beginning at the top. I don't think I've played that one. Yeah, you wow. Have, you have. What about the Olympics game? Oh, the track and field. Yeah. NBA jams. NBA jams. Where you got to you got to do a slam dunk and, and break the uh the basketball goal. <laughs> He's on fire. Or what yeah. about the infamous slow ass Will of Fortune and Vanna White? Wow. Took you an hour to change. Yes, a yes, yes. Ninja Gaiden, and they had a whole series of Nintendo games on that. Jurassic Park? Yes. What about Tapper? Wow, yeah. Or your favorite, Paperboy? Yes, that is correct. Friday the 13th. Okay, that one scared me. I couldn't. I rented that game, and it didn't even last but a few seconds. Space Invaders? Mm-hmm. Or our one that keeps us up all the night, Zombies Ate My Neighborhood. Oh, my. Well, <laughs> Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. What about Mortal Kombat? Wow. And then Mortal Kombat 2, which had the fatalities and the friendships yeah. and all that different stuff. Because it was hard to rent that game back then. You had to have a parent with you. They that were you trying did. to introduce the game rating system. That you did. And also... Kirby Streamland for the original Game Boy. I do remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. So really quick, we're going to go through the game console this boy has. Okay. <laughs> now, he likes to travel with them, but imagine traveling with all these game consoles and all these different suitcases in the airport every time we travel. Not no more, ladies and gentlemen. I only make him bring one or two because <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. So anyway, game consoles, go, Willie. Atari 2600, Nintendo Entertainment System. Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Sega Genesis, Sega CD, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, Nintendo 64, Nintendo Wii. Yep. Too many. Too many. But anyway, so today we talked about iconic characters as well as video games because our special guest today was the voice of Princess Zelda from the 1989 show, The Legend of Zelda. Yes. Yes. She was also in Carrie, the 2013 version. Uh, If Looks Could Kill in 1991. She was in Numbers, 2005. Bones in 2006. The X-Files, 1998. The Outer Limits in 1995. Good Witch in 2018. And she was also in General Hospital from 2002 to 2004. We are talking about Cynthia Preston. Willie's so excited to be talking to her. So we're going to get ready (laughs) and get into that conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Cynthia Preston is coming up. This is the Triforce of Wisdom, Link. The evil wizard Ganon has the Triforce of Power. Whoever gets both Triforces will rule this land forever. You must help me, Link. Hey, for you, Zelda, anything. With us today, we are so, so happy. And me, I am personally just ecstatic that we have with us the one who did the original voice of Princess Zelda, Cynthia Preston. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's so nice to talk to you guys. Yes, absolutely. So we were having a little bitty conversation before we um, started doing this interview. So you are so much fun. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Yes. We're so excited about that. Sure. It's my pleasure. Totally delightful. I'm, I'm thrilled to have discovered you guys. I can listen to you in the car. Before we roll through your credits a little bit, let me ask you, how would you describe Cynthia Preston? How would I describe myself? (laughs) Wow. Okay. I guess I'm one of those people that just loves people. I just, I love making friends. I, I think people are amazing and I always... I think I see the pearl in people that maybe other people miss. Wow. But, um, you know, and I can be, have had experiences where I've been misled in those certain circumstances, but I just love people. I really enjoy working on sets with people, working on producing things with writers. I just, I have fun with people. I really enjoy them. So I guess I'm a people person. 
And that's a great thing. And from the personality, it shows. I oh, mean, yes. I mean, I'm getting that vibe right now. <laughs> so yes, definitely. <laughs> well, people, a people person in this business is very hard to find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very hard to find. So that's a that's a good trait to have. So let's go a little bit through your credits. Being a people person, I don't know how you would describe faith roscoe from uh, general hospital would you consider her to be a people person or tell uh, me about that character i don't know she's a people person but i love faith so much she was unapologetic you uh-huh. know she did what she had to do she had her reasons basically i said i played her like a man you know i just i had my uh-huh. reasons for doing things i wasn't apologizing i wasn't making excuses Faith absolutely believed she had to do the things that she did. She had good reason for them. So, and she did it with a sense of humor. I love that they gave me the funny lines. So, I mean, that came about because my first day I was euphoric and I was at the top of this huge staircase and I had to walk down and be seen by Sonny and Carly, my friends, Tamara and Maurice. Tamara's character says, who's that? And Maurice says, she's trouble. And I thought, okay, so I got to be the scary, scary person. (laughs) And then I thought, well, my favorite lesson that I learned from my acting classes was to not stuff what you're feeling. If it calls for you to cry and you want to laugh, laugh. If it calls for you to laugh and you want to cry, cry. Just don't stuff what you're feeling because what you're truly feeling is what's going to connect with people watching. It's going to reach through the screen. And so I've been just having so much fun. I thought, how can I make faith? have fun. And I thought she just loves, you know, like with words, sticking it in, sticking the knife into somebody's chest and turning it and smiling. Like she enjoys every second. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Have fun. It was like, I found a way to be this scary character, but have a ball doing it. And the writers picked up that on that very quickly and started writing funny lines for me. So I had the second funniest number of lines after Anthony Geary, who played Luke, who was always hysterical. So that was a joy, just a joy. So you would say that it was an on-purpose, like, sassy villain type character. Absolutely. I had to figure out how to let what I was really feeling come out. Because faking it is bad acting. You're one Mm -hmm. step removed from a real experience. So in my studies, in in my theory of it, that's just bad acting. And sometimes that's the best you can do under the circumstances. Sometimes you have got to hit the marks and do this and lean here. And if you do this, you're blocking this person's shot. And you just, there's so much going on that all you can do is shoot for an objective. But shooting for an objective is technically bad acting, you know. So in the the purest sense, when you're just the luckiest and you just get to swing it out of the park, those parts of your brains are working at the same time. That part of your brain that's hitting your mark or lifting your wine glass at the same line or whatever it is that's working at the same time is complete freedom on the other side of your brain. Yes. Interesting. Yes, indeed. Very interesting. So how did the general hospital part come across? I'm sure you went to an audition and, and so forth. I did. I actually tested with, do you know, testing is after auditions and you actually, um, your contract has been already signed. You've already negotiated your contract and you Uh read with somebody. So I tested with Tony Geary and it was a big deal. Like a lot was on the line and I was testing for this other character and I didn't get it. And I was disappointed because you can audition every day of the week or many, many times and not worry about it. But when you test, you've had to sign a contract, you know, how much money's on the line. It's hard to get that out of your head and not be extra nervous or count on it more or wish more or something like that. So I was very disappointed because the rest of the times I let auditions go right away. I just don't care. And then they called and they said that they were writing a character for me. Was I interested? And I was like, absolutely. So I knew that I had a job and I didn't know what the character was. So I remember sitting on my deck. I had this beautiful, this house that we were renting in the Hollywood Hills. And I went and sat on this gorgeous terracotta deck and looked out at the valley and just thought somebody has changed my life right and i don't even know i love that are. perspective because you're just out there in your own moment and you're like wow what are they creating for me at the moment yeah i don't know who to be grateful for i hope i find out at some point i did find out that it was the head writers bob and chuck and they changed my life and gave me a job that i loved Every time I walked in that studio, from the second I walked in the door, I was euphoric. Walking down the hallway to the dressing rooms, all the people in hair and makeup, the crew, 
it's it's a, it's always a circus. They're just there's so many people. It's so wonderful. I just love it so much. So yeah, they changed my life, and I love them to this day. Well, you know that's the best phone call to get in this business when they call you and say, "Hey, we made a character for you." Right. You know. So okay, so clear up a couple of things about soap operas a little bit. Um, we had now personally, I used to watch soap operas. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the shooting schedule, you guys are explain to me the shooting schedule. Are you a couple of weeks in advance from the time that it actually airs, and is it more like a full time job? How does that work? It it yeah, it's a. I think we were three weeks ahead here. Uh, my niece lived in the Netherlands and they were months behind. But yeah, here's what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And I think it was about three weeks. It, whether or not it's a full-time job depended on your storyline. So I was very often fortunate enough with my character be, to be involved in storylines with the lead characters. And so I would have a five-day-a-week job. But you could have a character that you could come in and shoot your scenes in one day. And sometimes it was like that. It was just the majority of my two and a half years on the show. It was uh, a Monday to Friday kind of job. And then for a while it could, you know, kick back and you just have a couple of days a week. It just depends on, you know, there's so many characters on the show. They can't focus right. on everybody at once. So there's a bit of a, you know, sharing, <laughs> a little turnover <laughs> in when you'll be busy. And that's great. That's It was lovely to have a full-time job. It was very unusual. It's not something you experience, even with my good fortune of having done all the projects I've done. It's not the same as having a Monday to Friday job for a couple of years. That was right. heavy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, was the, the filming, were you guys based in New York or were you in L.A.? L.A. You're in L.A. What studio were you at? Prospect you Studios. Yes. It was oh. the same studio where they were shooting Grey's Anatomy. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I started producing this charity event for the Desi Giesman Foundation for a couple of years, and I saw... Uh, who played Derek? Uh, Patrick Dempsey in yes. the cafeteria one day. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go up and invite him to the charity event. And I did. <laughs> it was very exciting for me. I was a big fan <laughs> of Grey's Anatomy. So, so okay. So here here we'll go into the, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have. You've seen the movie Tootsie, right? Of course, yes. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. how would you compare your experience on General Hospital to their soap opera experience in that movie. How would you compare that? Well, I mean, I've watched Tootsie. I've even watched it when, was it, it's not Blu-ray. What was it called before DVDs? The big the, disc. Oh, the, uh, uh, the laser disc. Laser disc, yeah. So yes. I remember with a friend, we watched Tootsie on laser disc, and then we watched all the special features, and then we watched the movie again to see how all the comments apply. So I watched it a lot, but I don't know exactly how they, I don't remember, this was, Ages ago. So how did they portray the the soap worlds? It was pretty much the same thing, except the only difference of it is, is when the editors got something wrong, they'd have to do the, that scene in, in a live version on the day that it was filming. I'm sure that's not uh, real. No, that was not how we did it. That may have been done at some point. But no, in our case, I remember watching one day and uh, Steve Burton's character of Jason way back then, he'd said something incorrectly and they'd left it and it was like it was a great example to me of how if you make a mistake even if it's pretty clear you just hope the audience heard what you were supposed to say like he said something like this character is going to follow that character there and then that character is going to follow him and he'd follow her back to here and i knew the story very well and i knew the characters very well because i was on it at the time and so i knew that he had said the wrong person the wrong place and they just left it so my attitude was look if you make a mistake and it's small enough or you think the audience is going to hear what you want them to hear do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> you're just going to leave it because it so much has to be shot so fast you have got to keep moving forward so yes you try to say the lines absolutely perfectly but if you make a little mistake if it's not that bad then leave it that's right. my experience anyway. So you so you kind of answered this question. So you look back at some of your characters that you've played or some of the, the projects that you've been on. And when you've looked at your characters, is there any thoughts that you would say to yourself that says, oh, I could have done this better or I could have done this different? Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's pretty human. It's sort of like, you know, sometimes it's really hard to watch yourself. It's just all you see is the mistakes you make. 
Sort of nitpicky in a way. Yeah. I mean, we can be our own worst enemy and be very hard on ourselves. I can also sometimes, and I hate to ever be egotistical or sound full of myself, but sometimes I can be really proud of what I've done. I can, of course, yeah. I can remember being deep in the moment. And when I'm deep in the moment, my performance is not my responsibility. So it's all kudos to the actor I'm working with. Because all I do, like my training is Meisner. So you just throw your attention on the other person. You know your lines backward and forward. You've done your research. And then you throw it all in your back pocket and pay attention to the other person in the moment and just listen. So what I do has nothing to do with decisions I've made. I'm just reacting. So I can't take any credit for it. So those are your favorite moments as an actor because you're completely lost in the moment, but not lost in like sort of uh, going off course. You're still seeing within the script. But anyway, those are the magical moments we just wish for. Well, you know, you're one of the very few that actually looks back at uh, her work after it's been done because we've asked that same question to a lot of different celebrities and they're like, no, we don't go back. And for the work that we've done, because we've been on television shows and movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that, on the TV projects that I've done, I can't look back and look at myself perform because I'm, I'm nitpicking everything and I'm sitting there going, hmm, maybe you shouldn't have had that donut before the, the shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, but then movies, yeah. it's like a whole different, it's a whole different ball game with movies because I can look back at the movies I was in and I'm like, I remember exactly how long that took me and I can remember how long it was because there was one movie because I was in uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry with Adam Sandler oh, fabulous! and there was a scene that we did in LA and the scene it was the courtroom scene towards the end and the scene on the in the movie is really only maybe a couple minutes long and everybody asked they're like you know oh you were in that scene it's like yeah but you can barely see me because I got to work alongside Lainey Kazan and uh, her and I, our characters together in the movie actually didn't make it to the final cut. You can see me, but you can't see her, but our roles didn't make it to the final cut. Right. And explaining that to people and said, yeah, do you realize that courtroom scene took us about three weeks to film? And they're like, no. And like, yeah. And it it was funny because right after that, I took um, Willie and I went to to dinner with Richard Chamberlain. Yes. And we were talking about that that building because it was an abandoned building in L.A. that they had used in that scene. And it was so cold and it was so miserable. Uh And we were all getting sick by the time that the. The shot was over with, so they had to hurry up because everybody was getting sick. So, yeah, so I, I look back at that, and when I look at it, I'm not critiquing me. I'm critiquing that particular moment and well, saying, exactly. You remember yeah. everything that went into it. I mean, I don't seek out things that I've done in the past, but if you see them or if you have to cut a new demo, so you're looking at your old demo, and then you have to go through all the new materials, so you have to look at yourself. I mean, that's but I will say, yeah. though, for uh, me watching the movie and seeing Chris in it, to me, he's clearly recognizable because the outfit that they chose for him sticks out far more oh, than anybody else. He, right. He, he points <laughs> that right. out every time. And I go, will you stop? It was this ugliest green white shirt but it makes that they you had me wear. Out, it was I'm like, so there he is. Bad. You can point him out. Yep. Oh, I begged right. them to change the outfit. I go, who wears this? It's like, it's like no game. I know, but it turns this. out to be a blessing, right? It does. It does. I mean, there's a line on General Hospital that I asked them if I could not say because I just thought I am. I can't say this. So I had run down. I think it was Courtney or Elizabeth. I think it was Courtney. And I, my character says, hop, hop, little bunny. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know there's no way I can't say that. They're like, say it, say it, say it. You're saying it. So I said it. Turns out it was a massive fan favorite. People for years were going out, hop, can you write on my picture, hop, hop, little bunny? Like it was. A- <laughs> oh, so, yes. So- you think it's going to be bad. So that green suit was a blessing. Oh, yes. Yeah, it it was so horrible though. I, 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 it was. It's a memory. I will give it that. But that's exactly what it is. And well, when you were sitting down, also, and who came uh, yeah, standing right next to you? Well, there's there's a treasure with it because with that particular scene, I had out of all the productions I've ever been on, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but when a, a main star comes out or an icon comes out, generally in a production, you don't get a big applause or anything like that now in an actual audience maybe but 
when you're filming, you don't get that. Well, mm-hmm. this particular time, this was the first night that Dan Aykroyd was showing up. So wow, he showed up and he came out, he said his word, and the entire crew, everybody stood up and gave him a standing ovation that they literally had to Aww. stop filming. That's it was, amazing. It was. It was like a good five-minute um, standing ovation. And Richard was like, it was shocking because I've never had to go through it. I'm like, I've never seen that happen before neither. But it was, and it was just intriguing. But, yeah, I got the pleasure of being right oh, next to him. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I so- didn't know Dan Aykroyd, but I was friends with his brother, Peter. And years and years ago in L.A., Peter Aykroyd and I went to um, House of Blues and – we're sitting there. Who are we seeing? Al Green. Oh, we're nice. sitting at a four top table. And so there's two empty chairs. And so whoever's running the place came up and said, you know, can someone else sit here? And we said, sure. Goldie Hawn. Goldie Wow. Hawn. And I forget who was with her. Shared our table. She stood on the chair. She was dancing. Oh, my God. It was astounding. It was so cool. Oh, that is a legend in itself, too. I know. To see Al Green and to see Goldie. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Peter. I'm like, thanks, Peter. (laughs) That is just crazy. So, so let's go into audition. So you were talking a little bit about that. What advice would you give to somebody wanting to maybe land a general hospital role or any role for that? What audition advice would you give to them? Just be yourself. Just, you know, obviously do your homework know your lines backward and forward. There's just no other you. So you can be the best audition of the day and not get the part. You can be not the best audition of the day and get the part. Regardless, if you get the part, you go on that set and you have every right to be there. That's like never be egotistical, never be full of yourself, but feel like I'm here for a reason. I was chosen for a reason. Just, just that, that confidence. Never ego, just confidence. Don't compare yourself to the right. others who are auditioning because yeah. what you bring is is something special or something that absolutely that the no others other, don't have. There's no other you. The yes. Nobody else can do what you do. I have gotten parts that I was not the best audition that day. And I have gotten parts where I or have not gotten parts where it was like I've had the casting director thank me for making them look good. Because that's their job, too. They've got to look yeah. good to the producers. They've got to bring in actors. They're going to be great. So I had a casting director say, thank you for making me look great. And I didn't get that part. Right. Do you know? It's just they've got an idea of what they want. It's a very rare occurrence when you can change their mind. When I've gone in and done a certain job and they said, you know what? We were going in a whole different direction and you changed our minds. That's super rare. Because usually it's just you've got to fit into what they not just have in mind, but what they need. With who else is cast, what the character has to fulfill. There's so many requirements. It's a miracle to get a job. You just have to not let whether or not you get the job discourage you. It's hard. It's hard not to compare yourself to others when you see others in the room. But I heard someone say recently that comparison is poison. And I think that's true. Like look other people Mm -hmm. up on IMDb Pro to see what, you know, what they're up to. It's just like, leave it alone. Just mind your own business. Yeah. (laughs) your business what other people think of you just just do what you enjoy just be happy and just leave it alone because comparison it's you hurt yourself when you do it don't do it you do and you're not going to match the other person you're comparing to oh there's just no way you don't know their faults you don't know their challenges everybody has ridiculous challenges nobody gets out of here (laughs) alive they say it's like it's not easy being human but you know, everybody's got lovely, lovely things about them, and everybody's got things that are difficult. So carry Absolutely. on on your own struggle and be as happy as you can. Wow. Good advice. Oh. Very, very good advice. Thanks. So let's talk about uh, you also did Two and a Half Men in 2005. Yes, I did. Tell me about that experience. Now, was that – I can't remember. Was that – Charlie Sheen, Two and a Half Men, or yes, was right. that Ashton? Okay, it yeah. was Charlie it was Sheen. Charlie Sheen. It was so, so, so much fun. They were all super, super nice. I had worked with, I'm always so bad. Uh, I had a, excuses. I had a car accident back in 88, and my memory was damaged. So I'm always doubting myself. Am I going to remember the names right? John Cryer. Okay, so Charlie right. Sheen and John Cryer. I was really flattered because Charlie Sheen had IMDb'd me, and I had worked with John Cryer before, and he oh, really? teased john and said you've you don't remember you've worked with her before so a i'm super flattered that he imdb'd me and that he was like teasing john and sort of standing up for me kind of thing and i was like hey i just did a guest spot on 
a show, actually two other shows that he worked on. And my my main scenes were not with him. They were with other actors on the show. So I don't expect him to remember every guest actor that came through. It was really fun. It was really funny. I got to see how playful they are on set because uh-huh. in the episode, who was it? It was their mom's ex-husband passes away. Uh-huh. And I'm the third wife of the mom's ex-husband. So at one oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. At one, so it's the funeral. At one point, Charlie Sheen's hitting on me. John Cryer is chastising Charlie's, not him personally, his character. His yeah. character is hitting on my character. John Cryer's character was saying, she's practically your stepmother. Stop hitting on her. <laughs> the fun and games they played while on set, it was so great. Because part of this, the plot was that their son leaves his Game Boy in the coffin. And so John <laughs> has to creep back in during the funeral and stick his hand in because it goes off. So you can hear this music coming out of the, the <laughs> casket. It's horrifying. And so he creeps back in and reaches in and grabs the Game Boy and runs out and making his, you know, apologies. It's all very funny. But on one take, they had a crew member get in the coffin so that when John puts his hand in, somebody grabs his arm. So, of course, he screams and shrieks. <laughs> it was hysterical. There were all sorts of fun and games. Like they were putting like tape on each other's clothes and on each other's hair. And it was really bad because one of them used gaffer tape and they couldn't get the tape out of the hair. They were using oil and peanut butter, whatever else they could think of. And it really delayed production, which cost a lot of money. So everybody was really sorry. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now I remember, uh, you remember John Cryer in, um, was it Pretty in Pink? Absolutely. Ducky. Yes. No, oh, oh. Ducky. Yes, yes, I remember him back in those days. So let's go in. So you've done quite a few dramas. You've done quite a few horror flicks um, in your time. Only comedy horror. I've never done a serious, terrifying. Well, Pin was a psychological thriller. So that really? was a bit scary. But a full-on horror, I don't think, unless I'm forgetting. I'm terrible. About- I've been doing it for a long, long time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Carrie a uh, horror? Did you're right. So I just yes. over that. Um, that was a joy, the remake of Carrie. Now, you were talking about how not everything makes it to the final cut. Yes. And I play Sue's mom. And uh-huh. Sue, for those who aren't familiar, is the one who has her boyfriend take Carrie to the prom. And thus, the mayhem ensues. So I'm playing Sue's mom. And there were seven other scenes. Uh-huh. So when I saw it in L.A. with my publicist and my manager were all women and and they were like, where's the parental, you know, representation here? And then why didn't this happen? I'm like, oh, no, we shot that. And they'd say it again. Oh, no, we shot. No, we shot those scenes. There was the parent, you know, there was mother worrying about her daughter and having all these conversations. Uh-huh. But that wasn't what the drive of the movie was about. So I fault them not. It's just like I was just glad to be involved thank you Kimberly. thank you very much our glorious director she was amazing and wonderful and i'm just so thrilled to be involved sure i was a little disappointed that all my scenes didn't make the cut but so what that's the game that's the way it goes right right absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. because you also did um well it's not horror but you were on the outer limits in 95 the x files in 98 yes yes i watched x files so that was really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> the X-Files was, you can imagine what a treat that was. And Outer Limits to work with Leonard Nimoy was just mind-boggling. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then one of my favorites, uh, I'm bad I haven't caught up with the series, but to one of my greatest favorites, The Good Witch. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun. And that was a small part. Sometimes you have big parts, sometimes you have small parts. Yes. So which was just a day. I was in and out. But you know what? That's all that matters. I, I mean, to me and to to me and to the rest of the world, you're a celebrity no matter what. You know, Aww, that's um, Thank you. it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, now, granted, I there's not. I don't get starstruck at all. I've met Johnny Depp. Well, the time I met Johnny Depp was that was we on were, the back lot. It, we were on the back lot of Universal, and we were walking and doing something, and. I was not paying attention to this guy talking to me and he was talking to me. And then I turned around and looked at him and I froze. Right. And it was like, are you okay? I go, and I do what every person does that is so stupid. I sit there and go, do you know who you are? Oh, <laughs> and he started wow. laughing. He goes, well, no, I had that so. thrill too. I've gone out with him and some friends to uh, the Viper Club one night. And that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yes, he is an amazing man. So that goes into it. Do you get starstruck? 
Yes. I and mean, you just work with people that, that, that blow your mind that, that you get the opportunity to work with. I mean, it started, my very first job was playing Tom Skerritt and Jill Clayburgh's daughter. And I mean, Tom Skerritt was in, in, what was it? Top Gun. I was like, yeah. no, and that's what I said. And Jill Clayburgh was amazing. And um, Leonard Nimoy, it was very hard. I actually auditioned for Leonard Nimoy before that job when we worked together as actors. I auditioned for something he was directing. And I remember I couldn't hear. Like he's, I'm sitting in a chair, he's standing there and he's giving me direction and I couldn't hear. I couldn't mm-hmm. hear him. I was so like, listen, listen, I'm like, but it's Spock. It's Spock. <laughs> <laughs> And I couldn't, I could, I just couldn't concentrate. And I left that audition and I ran to, this is a long time, I ran to a phone and I called my mom and told her about the audition. I mean, you just don't do that. I don't call my mom about every audition, but it was Spock. So when I did get to work with him, I at least had already had the moment where I couldn't concentrate. Then I had to work with him and I could concentrate and, and get over it. But still, it's a thrill. When you're working next to these these icons and these people you've grown up with, especially mm-hmm. like with Dan Aykroyd, in my mind, especially the thing that I have a problem with is my self judgment because I'll start sitting there going, Oh my gosh, here's a veteran and I'm having to perform it next to this veteran. And what are the thoughts that this person's got of me right now? You know, and it's so hard, especially to one that, you know, gosh, you you've known for years, you grew yeah. up for years and then, they're, they're right in front of they're you. They're right in front of you. And, you're and it's natural to get, you know, distracted with self-hitting yes. thoughts. But what you have to do is throw your attention back on them, whether it's in a scene or in, not in a scene, the camera's not rolling in its life. It's like, you know what? If you're so thrilled to be with them, ask them questions. You know, I heard one, I forget who it was. It was, it was a really venerable actor. And he said, you know, these kids today, like I've had all this experience and they don't ask me any questions about it. I work with Sidney Poitier. I worked with this director. Da, da, da. Like, you know, ask me questions. I'll, and this right. person was ready and willing to share the wealth. Now I certainly know I grew up going, Oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to bother them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Get out of your own head. Stop thinking about yourself. Oh my gosh. Barbara Niven said to me recently, the amazing Barbara Niven, um, who does. So I've worked with her on a several projects I'm not sure if 07 was the first one, but we definitely worked together in 07. We were on this project together just last week, and I said, she said something about public speaking. And I said something about, you know, do you ever get nervous? I might get nervous if I'm speaking in front of people. I used to get nervous at first when I was doing interviews, and then I got over it by throwing my attention on the other person and asking them questions, which is why I wanted to talk to you guys first and ask you some questions and just, you know, Get out of my own head. And right. Barbara Niven said to me, being nervous is selfish. You're thinking wow. about yourself. When you're giving a speech, you have things to share. You have things that may or may not change someone's life. You may have had an experience that could help other people. Don't be nervous. Don't think about yourself. Think about them. Think about sharing the thing. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Okay, so now that you said that, I have a question. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so you worked with Steve Burton on General Hospital. Yes. Okay, um, so you're probably aware that he is the voice of Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, correct? I am embarrassed to say no, I don't know. Yeah, there was actually um, a CGI animated movie based off of the PlayStation game, Final Fantasy VII, where he voiced the role of the main character. Oh, wow. And um, I think even for, um, I think they're going to do a remake of that PlayStation game, which came out, oh my gosh, what was it, 97, I think? Mm -hmm. And he's reprising that role. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so I wanted to just find out, how was it working with him? Fabulous. (laughs) <laughs> he's hysteric. He's great. He's wonderful. He's kind. Um, his character had no patience for my character. So it was always really funny when he would just cut me off. I remember one scene, he just like said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it outside. He opened the door and pushed me out. Like not in a way that I would fall down, but I mean, it was all I could do not to crack up. Right. <laughs> I would try to crack him up. Like there were scenes where he'd kidnapped my character and I'm tied to a chair, my hands bound behind my back. And he puts down a plast, a sheet of plastic, drags me on the chair over the sheet of plastic and lays me down on my back. This, 
this was creepy for me as an actor. Like, this is, you know, you know this guy is about to kill you. The character is going to, you know, uh-huh. he's, he's, he's making sure that, that the blood doesn't make too much of a mess. So that was really creepy. But wow. I start saying to him, like, can I have a last meal? Like, you know, just what about a last drink? How about a martini? Bet you, bet you take apple martinis. I bet you like them. And I was trying to crack him up. So it was like one of the rare times I ever ad-libbed that I was just trying to crack Steve up. That's interesting because the main character from Final Fantasy VII, I mean, he's not in that position, but just to give you an outline, he has really spiky hair, which is blonde wow. hair, yeah. and he has a really huge sword. It's called a Buster's sword. So it's just kind of funny how when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the huge sword that, you know, even though he's the good guy in that game, yeah. but, you know, what he could do with that sword. Right, right. Well, One this is going to be practical the- jokes I pulled on General Hospital was when I was my character was getting on top of Steve's character, he was <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying all this stuff, and he's unconscious. It was like bad, not not, not good uh, role modeling. But I I undo his pants, and then he wakes up and stops me. Right, it doesn't go anywhere. Wow. But <laughs> wearing a white jacket, you know, as a disguise as a doctor, and I go to the props department, and I'm like, can you get me a rubber snake? So they get a rough snake, and I put the snake under my white jacket, and I climb on top of him. I was saying the lines, and I undo his pants, and sort of lean down. I lean forward, and I pull the snake out as though I pulled it out of his pants. So it was really rude, but it was really fun. <laughs> and yeah, because you can't pull practical, you're you know costing them money. So I had to be really, really fast, and don't do it too often. So right, wow. That's funny. But it's good to cut up on set, though. I mean, just those it uh, is. those outtakes are just, you know, something that, you know, you got to keep it fresh and moving along, I guess. Have fun. I mean, yes, yeah, be respectful. Don't waste their time with a lot of goofing around and jokes. You know, sure, there's days when you just get the giggles and can't stop. But you keep mm-hmm. that. To a minimum. This is serious business. There's a lot of work to be done. The amount, the number of pages we shot in a day was insane. And apparently, like one of my best friends, Tamara Braun, is back on General Hospital playing Kim. And uh, she said they work even faster now. I don't even know how. I don't know how. But yeah, two of my best friends in the world right now, Natalia Livingston and Tamara Braun, are my girls from, from General Hospital. Wow. So did you, before you did General Hospital, did you have a favorite soap that you liked or was it General Hospital? No, I didn't watch General Hospital before that. I did watch The Young and the Restless after school with my mother just because it was the Uh one that was still on when I got home at 4.30 in the afternoon. And that's pretty funny because, you know, like Eric Braden played what Victor Newman. And when I was at the television festival in Monte Carlo with a series that I was doing called Total Recall 2070 for Showtime, um, Eric Braden came to dinner with the president of the festival and me. It was really, it was just wow. sitting from Eric Braden was, was a treat. My mom liked that story. Going into the question that we talked about a little bit before we started the interview, here's that question. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> um, so who inspired you the most for your career? And is there anybody that you wish you would have worked with or that you have worked with that you always wanted to? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> it's a slightly different wording. Up. So who inspired me the most in my career? The first person that comes to mind is my first talent agent, David Karnick, who is not with us anymore. Uh-huh. Um, he passed away in 80, 93, I think it was. He is a lovely, lovely man. I wasn't even an actor. I was a model. And he was the talent rep at the modeling agency. And he called me up and said, do you act? And I would quit modeling. I'd gone to Japan. I'd come back. I had my money for university. And I said, thanks, guys. And I'd quit. And he called and said, um, can you act? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, <laughs> I see you for this CBS movie of the week to play Joe Clayburgh and Tom Skerritt's daughter. And uh, in the movie, my mother was dying of cancer. So I thought, well, okay, if I say the words right and I can cry, maybe they'll look at me twice. Yeah. So I went in and I did and I got a callback. Call I had seven callbacks. That never happens. I got seven callbacks wow. and they hired me and I did, did the job. So David Karnick inspired my entire career because I didn't plan on doing it. Now, as far as actors go, it's Robin Wright. Because I remember, I've never worked with her. I remember the first time I saw her, I remember where I was. It was in 1988 and somebody had put Santa Barbara on and I saw her and I was completely blown away. 
by how natural she was. And I thought, I have got to watch for this one. I'm going to see more of her. Wow. And I was right. <laughs> wow. So do you have a favorite production that you've worked on? A favorite production that I've worked on? I'm really, I mean, I'm so lucky. Whale Music was an amazing production to work with the great Maury Chaikin, who's no longer with us. That was massive. Maury won Best Actor that year. We were up for Best, Best Picture in Canada. We opened TIFF that year. We closed the Vancouver Festival. It was an amazing production directed by Richard Lewis. And I turned it down. I kept turning it down because I had gotten a sitcom that we had shot the pilot for in L.A. And they kept extending the option. It wasn't happening yet. They would get you to sign the option again. Extending, extending. And... Maury finally called me and said, you got to do this movie. I want you to do the movie. And I said, Maury, I'm going to do the sitcom. You know, I've done drama before. I want to do the comedy. And he said, look, I turned down the, the television series version of Midnight Run to do this movie. It's, oh, wow. it's that good. And I didn't make judgments like that. Like, yes, it's a beautiful script. But I had many, many experiences where the script changes on the day when you're shooting. It changes in the edit. Like, I don't know what the final product is going to be. So I don't base it that much on the script. So anyway, Maury talked me into it. I did it. It changed my life. I got my U.S. representation out of it. We went to all these festivals. Like I said, we were up for Best Picture in Canada. I mean, that was a game changer for me. So thank you very much, Maury and Richard, for getting me to do that part that I was turning down. So crazy. So do you find it to, uh, do you find productions in the U S to be harder to do productions in Canada? Say, I don't know. Cause I, well, I am producing stuff now and that's just a challenge in its own. I found an author, there was a, a book that I found and I pitched it to every producer that I'd ever worked for on both sides of the border. And one of them picked up the option and we made it into a movie. But uh-huh. usually I'm coming from the place of, I have an audition. I right. go in, I do it and I get the job. Or when they, you know, you're really fortunate, they already know your work and they send you a script and say, will you do it? And you don't have to audition. Right. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from as an actor. And coming from a different place as a producer and, and a couple of things, I've really had fun producing and directing a couple of pieces and I want to do more of that. So I have um, my producing partner in L.A. is Adriana Leone, and she was one of my co-actors on General Hospital. And uh-huh. we talked about working together for years and years and years. And then about a year ago, we decided to get serious and actually do it. And so we have production meetings all the time and we have so many projects I'm working with an author in Calgary, Delaine Moore, who's the one we already produced her book into a movie for Lifetime. And now we're working on creating a limited series with her writing. And she has such a great, like it's female-centered, female-driven. Her voice is so distinctive. It's the humor. Oh, she's amazing. Wow. And I'm also working with a great writer-director from Manitoba named Cam Patterson, who's really prolific. He's got a bunch of scripts he's written, and there are parts in them for you know at least five of the projects i'm focusing on that are parts for me and i'm working on getting them produced and they're really cool really cool so adrian and i are having a ball just you know talking to different people talking to this producer and that producer and seeing how we can put these projects together wow well good luck with that thank you and you know if you you ever need help you you know who to call and if you ever need two gay guys to give you great personality on set (laughs) always always (laughs) not that i'm pitching myself but this is our audition consider it yeah okay consider it's done i want to work with you guys let's write a short i want to direct it well we'll, we'll, we're we're gonna talk we're gonna do it i'm not kidding we totally are we totally are okay Oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Princess Zelda was quite a different princess. I yeah. mean, if you look at Super Mario Brothers and you look at Legend of Zelda, yes. um, Zelda was very courageous. I mean, for one, you know, she um, in her kingdom, she had Link uh, guard the Triforce of Wisdom. Wisdom. Yes. In which in one of the episodes, uh, Kiss and Tell, for I think it was the fourth episode, mm-hmm. it was talking about courage and whatnot but what i find interesting is that how did you go about voicing zelda 
I mean, like, were you even given a, a like seeing the cartoon before you voiced it, or did he just give you um, a copy of a script? Yeah, no, you were reading off the script. Um, it differed on different days whether or not you got to be in the room with the other people doing Gannon and doing Link. You know, very often Link and I would be together, Jonathan Potts. Yes. And, and sometimes we got really, really, really lucky and got to work with some of the other actors playing, you know, my like monsters, like Len Carlson was just astounding and Don Franks and like so many of these people was just, that was an education. That was an education because I'd done a lot of voice work, uh, like voice commercials and things like that. And I voiced a character for a series. Christopher Plummer's daughter in a series had a, had a Parisian accent, a French accent, and they wanted her mm-hmm. Americanized. So I looped this girl for the whole first season. And so, you know, these guys watching these experts like Len Carlson do it, I got my body involved. Do you know, it's not like don't be self-conscious and sit still and do it. It's like the more physical you can make it, the more expressive you can be. Yes. Get your arms involved. Move your body. No, you can't make any sound. You've got to wear clothes that don't make any sound. Soft cotton clothes. Take anything that swishes or crinkles off. Take your shoes <laughs> off. Take your jewelry off. Whatever it is, you can't make any sound. But move. Move your body. Be animated. And I remember doing lines with like every ounce of energy I had in my body. And they would say, great, now do it again with more energy. And I just, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know how. <laughs> you know, I remember laughing so hard. I had so much fun. I don't know why. I don't know why it's so much fun. But I remember laughing harder doing that and enjoying it even more than on-camera stuff. And I, I love being on set, whether it's on-camera or not. But this was even more fun than being on set. The director one time wanted to make me laugh. And laughing is more difficult than crying. Laughing naturally on cue is much harder for me anyway than crying. And so from the booth, he mooned me. The director oh. mooned me from the booth. And of course, I laughed. You know, that was incredibly shocking. But it was such a good time doing Zelda. Oh so my are you intrigued by the Zelda fandom that you get? Oh, I, I, I'm amazed by it. I've gone, wherever I go, I go to the Banff Media Festival and I'm pitching, you know, a script that I wrote and some some person would, would find out, I don't know, I don't remember how, recognize my name maybe, I don't know, but they'd find out that I was Zelda and people flipped out. Now, here's a really cool story for me personally. So one of my co-actors on General Hospital was Rick Hurst and I was from Canada and I didn't have, you know, a... I didn't have any family there with me. And he and his family adopted me. His his wife, Donna, his mother, Anne, the kids, Cameron and Nick, they adopted me. So I would go to Cameron and Nick's school plays sometimes. I would go to Christmas and Thanksgiving. So anyway, I was really tight with this family. And I'd known the boys since they were, I don't know what, 10 and 12. So we're at a New Year's celebration at Natalia Livingston's house, Natalia, who played Emily on General Hospital, and the old gangs together having the time of our lives. And it comes up that I played Zelda. Rick Hurst's sons, Nick and Cam, roll up their sleeves, and both of them have the Triforce of Wisdom tattooed on their arm. Wow. Oh, wow. So, that, so I've known these kids since before they had the tattoo. Like, it just blew my mind. It was just, I couldn't believe how popular Zelda is. And when I meet people that the level of freak out that I played Zelda, that I did the voice of Zelda, is is unparalleled. You know, I mean, I've I've had some reactions to different roles that I've made, but nothing compares to how people react to Zelda. So it's it's an honor. It's a treat. So you should actually go to uh, when you go to do the Comic Con conventions, and you should do cosplay as Zelda. See <laughs> if anybody actually puts two and two together with the that voice would and be the a costume. Sight. Okay, you <laughs> yes. guys help me out with that. Get me. Tell me where to go. Which which mm-hmm. festivals are not good. You know, tell me where to go, and I will get Jonathan to come. He and I are still good friends. Wow. Okay. Yep. Um, so we'll go as Lincoln Zelda, and you guys have to come with us. Yes. You know what would be hilarious, okay? If Jonathan Potts is with you and he goes, excuse me, princess. Right. The best one I like when he's trying to get a kiss from you and you keep denying him. Right, right. right. Not going to happen. Not (laughs) going to happen. Never going to happen. And I love saying way to go, hero. Like with so dripping with sarcasm. 
But you know what the interesting thing is, and I noticed this through a lot of the episodes, um, because even in, I think it was The Missing Link, which was the last episode of the season one, you as Princess Zelda were the only one that could see Link, not even Sprite could Uh see Link. And it was later in the episode uh, discovered that Zelda was in love with Link. But she kept on denying it throughout right. the series. Right. So what is your take on that? I, I, I go for it 100%. 100%. Because also, if, if she admitted, you know, she's, she's, she could risk things going badly and they had a good working, if you will, relationship, you know, fighting off these other guys. So it's, um, it's just a testament to, to how you have to be even that much braver. I mean, she was no damsel in distress. Of course. Yeah. But, you know, that's it's really brave to put yourself out there and be yourself and tell someone who you really are. And that and I really advise it. I mean, I have the love of my life now. I've been 10 years with Sean and it's because we share who we really are. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. And also another observation, Prince Facade comes in and he's in this clean white prince outfit but when it really gets down to the nitty-gritty he wouldn't go into the mud or the water so Mm -hmm. zola took zelda away so blinks on his horse and decides to come back and rescues her anyway Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think that zelda was looking more for looks rather than real and true love well it's, it's you know human nature it's hard not to be distracted by something shiny do you know Right. It's like, oh, how do you catch a mon- monkey? You put a, sh- a large shiny ball into a cage with a hole small enough to put their hand in, and they grab the larger ball. It could be free if it lets it go, but it doesn't. So it's a real, you know, lesson in human nature that sure you're distracted by shiny things, but deeper down, you know, she has this respect for Link and a love for Link. That's that's the way I played it. And yes, you got to put him to- off and put him in his place, and you know, not not give him what he wants. Keep them at arm's length and keep dangling the carrot, I suppose. But, um, yeah, a minor distraction is all that was. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how did uh, Zelda come about, and would you revisit it again? I would absolutely revisit it again. It would be a thrill, an absolute thrill. And how it came about, I do not remember. I'm sure it was an audition (laughs) like any other I either went in and auditioned for it or they heard my voice on some other tape and just picked me. But I, pro- I I have no idea. I just don't remember. I'm so sorry. No worries. I mean, from, from what I've seen on the cartoon and from what I've heard, you played her courageously and you did stay true to the video game, by the way, because I have so many of the Legend of Zelda games. Uh, the original one, of course, A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo, um, Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64, but they all had consistency, and that is is that she's courageous, and she doesn't let things get in her way. And whenever she needs to reach out for help, she'll reach out for help, but she'll do it herself as well. Right, right. And those are great examples to live by. I love those lessons. Um, the main theme song that kept playing on throughout the series, mm-hmm. um, that's even in the intro, That was composed for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it wasn't the original theme song. It was actually Ravel's Bolero, which is a classical Uh song. That's what the composer Koji Kondo went with. But Mm. because uh, the copyright was still on it, um, I think he had said... Uh, 49 years and 11 months after the passing of Ravel. So they were on a tight timeline budget and they couldn't wait that long until the copyright cleared because it would become public domain after that point. Yeah. So he pulled an all nighter right before the, uh, the game was fully finished and developed. And that's how he came up with the theme song. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's what it takes sometimes. Like every hurdle is, is an opportunity. Right. Every, every, every challenge is a blessing. It's like, Oh no, this is a problem. Now I only have this much time. Well, who knows if he could have been inspired the same way if it wasn't for that. Like it's just. Right. Do you find voiceover work to be harder than acting? I don't know. For some reason I think it's more fun and maybe it's just me. I just love it so, so, so much. 
I just want to do more. I just love it. Wow. Call me for voiceover work. It's just such a joy. I don't know. Maybe it's because it doesn't matter what you look like. Do you know? Right. It's like only what you can bring to the character from your heart, from your brain, from your voice. And as I said, your physicality is not left out of that. Um, it's a part of it, too. But it's my favorite. I absolutely wow. love it. Wow. Well, you're good at it. That's for Thank sure. You. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, going back to Link and Zelda real quick. Yes. Uh, because why do you think Zelda didn't want to kiss Link? Just curious. Oh, wow. Okay. So going back to like what my motivation was at the time, I don't know. I don't remember. It's It was really, really fun to play that stuff out with Jonathan because we're really, really good friends. Mm-hmm. And he is... Smart and funny and lovely and sweet, super, super sweet. So it was just so easy to play that with him and never, never just, he's my friend. He's my friend. (laughs) It's like being a kid. It's like being seven. And like, I love him. I loved him at the time. I love him now. But at the same time, I don't want to kiss him. But at the same time, I do love him. So imagine she's like, you know, in grade seven. Or grade four or grade six, whatever. It's like, yeah, I totally love him, but I'm not going to kiss him. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I that's what I sort of relate to about it. Yeah. And it's so funny, though, because even at the opportunities that Link really honestly could get kissed by Zelda, what happens? The ground beneath him falls. So he didn't get that opportunity. Yes. The world interferes. You've got to go with the universe. The universe is telling you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So here goes into this question. Uh, is there, was there any opportunity that you passed on that you wish you hadn't? Yeah. <laughs> and what was that? It was a movie where I was going to play a spy, a super spy. Huh? I wish I had done it. At the time, I just thought I was being a little nervous. I was being a little, okay, you know, like how, how good is this stunt person going to be? Like how, how much do I have to do myself? Um, I have plates between my hips. I had a big car accident on a movie set way back in 88 and my pelvis was crushed. And so I was, you know, I have to be, I have to be really careful about what I do and what I don't do. And I love doing stunts. I mean, when I did that, a lot of the getting shot in, you know, jobs, my, they'd have a stunt person by and I'd talk to the stunt coordinator and say, okay, well, the trajectory of the bullet and how would that spin my body? And I'd be so excited to do it myself. And they'd say, no, we have a stunt person. I'm like, yeah, but if you can do it using my face, don't you want to? So I'd do it anyway. Well, and, really getting involved in the process. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it so much. So I did one where I got shot and I didn't break my fall. So I, you know, ripped my stockings on both my knees and my knees were bleeding and my hands were bleeding a bit. And I'm like, look. And I was excited. I was happy. And, I was <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Look, I didn't break my fall. Like, I was so proud. And <laughs> And then there was this movie and it was going to be sort of like, you're going to be this Angelina Jolie kind of spy. And, you know, she just does everything. And I got a little bit nervous about the level of activity and with, you know, my limitations and stuff and what I would want to do. Now I wish I had done it. I wish I had done it and just thrown caution to the wind and not gotten hurt, of course, but just done what and see how it comes out but I was being a little bit chicken at that point and so I do regret not doing that one where do you see your life going from this point I just want to keep playing in the sandbox I am thrilled to be able to do this with creative people like 99% of them are amazing like any industry there's occasionally a grumpy butt you don't want to deal with but usually The people in this industry are amazing, yes. wonderful, creative, loving, caring, sharing. And um, I just, I would love to work in all five of these Cam Patterson scripts. He's even got more, but I want to do all of them. This series we're trying to create with Delane Moore's material, uh, Adriana and Leon and I have a book that we want to get the rights to the series of, and there are parts for both of us, but we don't just want to act in them. We want Uh to create this thing. We want to produce them. We want to be in the writing room. So I have so many things I want to do. There's just not enough time. So I'm just excited. I love it. I'm excited. Can't hold back. Well, we can't wait to see more of you. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I can't wait to write the project that we're going to write together. 
That, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yep. we're all going to work together on different That's stuff. Right. So we're looking forward to that one. So, yes, um, and going to uh, the Comic Cons as Link and Zelda. Like absolutely. That. Yes. That yes. is going to be on our wish list. You, you do not know how many fans are going mm. to be emailing us and making sure that we tell them where we're going to show up, which we okay. won't. We well, probably then, won't. We're going to tell them, so we'll give you hints, but, yeah. you know. So, yeah, we will. Well, I, Cynthia. I have you guys in on that. That's great. Oh, oh it of will course. Be a, it'll be a blast. It will be definitely I'm sure. I mean, I can't really speak for Jonathan, but I am sure that he will be happy to be involved. He's. Lovely. I'm sure he'll be tickled pink. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We just had um, a bite together last well, a week or two ago. We were both working in the same place in northern Ontario. I can't say exactly where. Um, right. We were both working in the same place on different productions. And we were like, oh, my gosh. And we got together for a bite. So, oh, yeah, wow. we still we are active friends. And he's lovely. And uh, I bet you he's going to be excited to hear about this. So. Oh, well, nice. Well, yes. well, we would love to interview him if, of he, course. if he wants to be interviewed. I'm sure he will do it. So of course, of course. Well, Cynthia, it for me it has been an absolute pleasure. It has been a blast. And for me, it's been a dream come true. So thank, thank you. you. Thank Thanks you, Cindy. So You're so lovely. I look forward to working together. Yes. And thank you again for doing this interview. And we are gonna be in touch with you and we're gonna make all this happen. I guarantee it. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. I know we say this after every episode, but wow, what a true joy. That was so much fun. Yes. Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are truly a delight. And we are looking so forward to doing stuff with you in the future. So How you, exciting. So you guys are going to have to stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we want to thank you guys for coming back week after week after week and enjoying our show. We really appreciate it. We get tickled. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and, you know, you can follow us on Instagram. At Chris dot and dot will that's right and we got all the updated information on there plus we're going to be doing some giveaways quite soon so Ah. share it with your friends and tell your friends about us and keep up a lock on instagram Mm -hmm. but for now we gotta go remember we love you guys and love yourself and the world will always love you no matter what next week we have a great episode with another great topic and another great guest on What about our life with Chris and Will? We want to thank you for joining us. Thank Cynthia for joining us. But for now, we got to go. Bye. Bye.